From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. For more than 50 years, the Economic Development Association of Minnesota has been a go-to source of information and best practices for professionals involved in economic growth throughout the state. The association, founded in 1967 as the Minnesota Industrial Development Association, aims to keep its members abreast of the latest development strategies with an eye toward, quote, collaboration and innovation in the economic development industry, end quote, according to its website. EDAM's current leaders include 2020 President Kim Lindquist, the longtime Director of Community Development for the City of Rosemount. Also active in the organization is Daniela Lorenz, Business Development Coordinator for the City of Brooklyn Park. In the following interview, Lindquist and Lorenz talk about the state of economic development during a time of civil unrest and global pandemic, and how EDAM's mission has evolved during these challenging times. Kim, why don't you start? What what is your um, you're the 2020 president of the um, Economic Development Association of Minnesota and director of community development in Rosemount? Is it? Yes, yes. So our um, as you mentioned, I'm the president for this year, and we have you know a rotating system. So I've managed to be the president during the entire COVID experience. And um, then I've been the community development director in Rosemont for about 16 years. Wow. And I know we've chatted in the past about different mm-hmm. projects there. There's always something exciting going on in Rosemont, mm-hmm. it seems. Yeah, um, it's a, it has a historic downtown. And so we've got a combination of um, greenfield development and also redevelopment opportunities. So it's, it's a nice mix. Great. And Daniela, what uh, can you just introduce yourself, please, for the record? Yeah, I'm Daniela Lorenz. Um, I work for the City of Brooklyn Park. I'm their business development coordinator, um, but I'm also a conference committee member of the Economic Development um, Association of Minnesota. Okay, great. Well, uh, thanks again for for joining me today. And um, I don't know who wants to start, but I'm just curious to know. I, I guess by way of introduction, a little bit more about the Economic Development Association of Minnesota, how long you've been around, who your members are, and sort of what your mission is. Um, well, I can kick it off, Brian. I um, did verify because I wasn't sure about the number, but we've got about 430 members. So um, we've got a nice mix. It's um, public sector, private sector, and nonprofit practitioners in the economic development field. A lot of us are do economic development, but that also would include engineering, um, financial folks, anybody who's got a hand in the development process is more than welcome to um, be a member and participate in our activities. Um, It's really kind of an educational uh, association. 
Um, we're, we're very involved in um, the education of our members as well as lobbying efforts at the state related to um, funding certain programs that further economic development for our um, clients. And then we also are a networking piece for, um, I think as you know, we've got the Metro, we've got the Outstate and really kind of sharing our experiences um, really helps everybody to get a better um, idea of, of ways to move around um, development or uh, financing to, to help get your projects approved. Okay. And well, what's what I, I guess uh, the, the obvious thing to ask you about is the uh, state of economic development in the Twin Cities and beyond in this. It, these times we're living in with the civil unrest and COVID and everything else. Um, what's, what's happening out there? What are you hearing from your members in terms of um, development? And are, are they seeing projects still move forward? Are people getting um, skittish now? Um, what's, what's the feeling out there? Well, I'll start off a little bit and then Daniela, please jump in. Um, you know, it was obviously uh, quite a different scenario after COVID really hit with things closing down. And I think a lot of the communities needed to kind of go into a different role where we were disseminating more information at, of what's going on in the state and, low, and federal level because the businesses aren't maybe as tied into some of the um, executive orders, the restrictions, and also the funding sources. And so we really um, have relationships with our local businesses and we're able to um, be a clearinghouse for that information and help them to navigate some of the, um, you know, the programs that were available. And on top of that, EDAM um, provided another mechanism because we immediately, uh, the, com the conference committee and our, we also have a um, education committee put together a series of webinars that helped in terms of financial modeling, real estate forecasting, navigating how to um, address the COVID issues for our primarily local governments, but also, you know, regional um, economic development agencies also. Danielle, maybe you can add on to that. Yeah, um, really well said came about the kind of clearinghouse of information in the government especially local governments acting as kind of disseminating, you know, we heard this um, from the state, so now we're sending it out in an email or we're consistently calling. Um, I know from Hennepin County's perspective, where Brooklyn Park is, the county did a really nice job of convening um, local economic de development professionals. So we were sharing information, particularly as we started creating programs um, for cities that had the capacity to do so. So Brooklyn Park had a small business emergency deferred loan program that we deployed in April and May when businesses started to get money. Um, and the point of that was really, you know, it's difficult to get these larger, you know, the paycheck protection um, program loans and the economic injury disaster loans, so the idle loan from the SBA, because they require a lot of information that businesses we found in Brooklyn Park and it sounds like it's pretty similar across other communities in the metro especially um, had a lot of difficulty accessing 
um, or didn't have, you know, the proper paperwork, the credit requirements, et cetera, but still really needed assistance to pay their employees, to pay their rent, to be able to even remain open in the short term. Um, so that was really helpful, you know, as we created our program to be able to call somebody up or sit in a kind of clearinghouse or a meeting of the minds with other um, professionals and talk about, you know, what they're hearing and what they're doing. And I know the state of Minnesota also did, started convening people um, for a weekly phone call that they still do um, to talk about, you know, what's coming down from the legislator, what they're hearing at the federal level, because they've got um, access to Congress that we don't have. Um, so making sure that we're disseminating that information, but also in the case of Brooklyn Park, you know, creating a resource um, financial resource and then technical assistance to apply for those programs, you know, as we're sitting on webinars with the SBA or have um, maybe even better access through relationships that we have, whether it is through EDAM or um, just knowing them from other projects, to be able to tell people, you know, this is what you'll need to do to apply for a PPP loan or an idle loan um, to set them up for as much success as possible. Um, so we kind of turned into like de facto technical assistance providers, which is not necessarily what our jobs looked like before, um, but it was easy to sort of step into that because of all of the information sharing um, that was available. Okay. Well, there sure is a lot of information out there that needs to be shared. And so I'm glad that you're stepping into that, taking on that role. Um, what's uh, what, what are you hearing now in your cities uh, about people who are, are, are you hearing anything different from developers? Are they looking at maybe, gee, I'd really like to jump on this opportunity, but I'm a little bit cautious now because of everything that's happening? Um, or is it, uh, how would you, where, where are things at right now in terms of um, development? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Brooklyn Park and, and um, Rosemont are a little bit different. So from our perspective, we've always led um, in our development with, with residential. And frankly, it's incredibly strong still. And I think um, we saw a little bit of drop off, a little hesitancy by some developers. You know, if they weren't really in the ground, they were going to kind of sit tight. You didn't want to make a large investment. And then I think a couple months later, we see them trying to rush in and get in the ground before winter hits. And so I think they were, you know, there was that hesitancy because of the uncertainty with COVID. And now I think they realize, wow, the housing market is still pretty incredible. Um, in fact, we're doing, there's really no let up in terms of the housing units that are um, being built in Rosemont. Um, We've had some, we have a large uh, redevelopment project, a multi-family project that that developer continued to move forward. And I see in, in your um, paper that many have done that because they know it'll be opening in you know, a year and a half or two years. And so they figure the market's back. Certainly um, industrial seems to be still um, interested and we're getting quite a few calls and looks at parcels. It's really more that commercial service kind of thing that, you know, in this in this kind of climate, who's really going to put that kind of investment? Hotels, restaurants, those types of things. We've actually had some inquiries, but it, um, given 
you've seen so many of those businesses struggle with the um, executive order requirements and those types of things, it seems unlikely that anything would happen too soon in that regard. A very similar story in Brooklyn Park. I think part of it too is, I mean, you can still get a loan for <laughs> such a low interest rate that, you know, developers are comfortable with a project that is maybe early to mid-stage, especially if it's mid-stage, you know, they've already done a lot of the work, so they're ready to go. Um, but uh, Brooklyn Park has a pretty strong manufacturing base, medical manufacturing, um, and we have not seen any slowdown. In fact, I think this is the busiest I've been in that space, just anecdotally. I don't have any numbers to go with that at this point, but um, in terms of people interested in applying for the Minnesota Investment Fund program or the Jobs Creation Fund program, asking us about you know lease up rates in available space or even built to suite um, or suit rather opportunities. So um, that's been really encouraging. Um, but I think certainly um, what Kim said, nobody is really looking to start opening any big box retail, but that's been like that for a while or restaurants at this point. Though I'm, even that, I'm starting to hear some people who might be thinking about, um, you know, there's some vacant space available because people are going out of business and um, the potential to maybe get in there and sign a lease and be ready to operate under kind of a COVID environment, which is highly involved with takeout and online ordering, etc. And they're kind of ready where some of these other businesses either weren't and had to adjust quickly or um, weren't able to adjust at all. Okay. Well, one other thing that's uh, a big issue or topic of conversation here is that the 2020 has been at the legislature, it's normally a, a bonding year in an even year, as we know. Um, and as you know, no bonding bill this year. And, and so I'm curious what that means to your members, your communities to not have that investment um, in housing roads, bridges, whatever, um, and, and what is Edom's position on that? I don't know if Edom has a position necessarily, I'll let Kim speak to that, but from Brooklyn Park's perspective, and I've heard this from other um, colleagues in other cities as well, you know, anytime we can't access a funding stream, um, it's not great to make, not be able to make some of those investments. Um, I, Brooklyn Park did have one project, um, the Center for Innovation and the Arts, CETA, um, that was going to try to get some uh, bonding bill money this year. It was a really early stage project and we actually didn't know how competitive we were for bonding. So that might, 2020 happening or not, might not have made a difference for that project, but it certainly does slow things down. And then you start to see partners if you have a lot of, you know, public-private partnerships um, getting nervous that maybe the public sector won't be able to come through with money. So if 2020 has taught us anything, it's have lots of streams of investment, lots of partners, and the ability to kind of be as quick as possible to change on some of these things. But certainly, you know, it's the investment side of things, and it's always nice to get an injection from the state and be able to have projects that have multiple streams of revenue um, and investment. Yeah, we've um, just from an Eden perspective, we uh, 
made a commitment several years ago to really ramp up the lobbying piece of EDM um, rather than uh, strictly just the education of our members. And so this year we were really counting on the bonding bill. Um, that was certainly something that was a high priority for the organization. And as Daniela mentioned, it's really because so many of our cities rely on that to assist in infrastructure and um, projects and assist them in their growth and development. And so even in these later um, special sessions, we had uh, kind of started to, um, you know, coalesce around trying to get a bonding bill and trying to uh, contact our local legislators since so many of us, um, you know, are in that local government, you know, we've got some access to um, folks. But, you know, it, it's understandable given the situation, but it's just unfortunate because these the bonding bill are large projects that take years to really get going. And so it's, it's important for the communities to get that money and be confident that you can. And again, that uncertainty makes it just that much more difficult to, to do our job and also obviously, you know, for cities to continue to grow. Yeah, and if I could add to that, it seems like the bonding bill projects, I mean, across the state, people take advantage of them, but particularly at greater Minnesota, those communities out there really, really rely on that infrastructure improvement because they don't have the infrastructure of networks and organizations maybe that, you know, metro cities like Rosemont or Brooklyn Park or anybody might have a little bit more ability to access um, given the missions of nonprofits and other organizations. Well, what else is on your agenda these days in terms of do you have uh, uh, any other specific initiatives you're working on in, in your role up with EDAM or? Well, I think the main thing you would see right now is a lot of cities have received CARES Act money and are um, putting together their own local programs for business grants. And so, um, you know, similar to Daniela's example in Hennepin County, Dakota County, you know, the state had a CARES Act grant, the county has a CARES Act grant, and the cities do. And each one are similar, but um, somewhat unique in terms of how we feel we can um, serve our businesses to help them through this. Um, I would also just say because of COVID, we've really had a pivot from maybe some of our traditional um, activities. Um, we ramped up our GIS, for example, and helped map um, where students could get their free lunches, where uh, we did a map for our residents to help promote the businesses which businesses are open, what are their hours, what are, you know, so really getting to a very fine level to try to continue to promote um, our businesses and try to keep that local economy going. And I see that, um, I guess my projection would be that that'll have to continue in the future because now people are relying on carryout, delivery or outdoor um, activities and with uh, our weather, I think no one really knows what's going to happen. And so to try to get these businesses through this so that they can maintain you know, the fabric of our community um, is really important. And certainly not that they weren't important before, but it's just a different heightened role for, for a lot of our members. 
Daniela, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I certainly um, agree with everything that Kim just said, but what we're kind of thinking of in Brooklyn Park, um, and I know others are too, is, you know, there's nothing like a pandemic to show you exactly where your holes are and where you need to get better anyway. Um, and particularly going back to what I was saying before, the difficulty that some businesses, particularly businesses owned by people of color, um, women-owned businesses, immigrant-owned businesses, the difficulty that they had accessing these federal level programs and even some of the state programs um, highlights a need potentially for more technical assistance, more preparedness planning in that space make these businesses as resilient as possible um, in the next kind of big disruptive event. Hopefully it's not another pandemic once we kind of get out of the woods, but you know, the economy ebbs and flows. So to prepare them as much as possible um, for interruptions and um, to be ready to apply for available resources beyond just the city, um, not that we wouldn't continue to offer programs and resources as possible, um, but to give them the ability to connect into as many spaces as possible um, is really what we're starting to think about is how we prepare ourselves and our businesses and our residents to be um, as resilient as possible. Well, thank you both. And uh, hopefully we'll have get through this and uh, we can look forward to a better 2021, <laughs> um, better times ahead, hopefully. So, any final thoughts? No, I think we've said it all. All right. <laughs> well, take care. Both of you, it was really nice chatting with you. And thanks again for um, uh, joining us on short notice here. No problem. Thank you. Right. Take care. Goodbye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.